and what it will look like to adopt a nation in prayer and to, um, I guess here's like the, the reverse engineering of the bigger why is how can we be involved with changing goat nations into sheep nations and thinking about Matthew 25 when the Lord says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to separate the sheep from the goat. Um, so using a leveraging influence that we have, whether it's in the business community or in the, in the ministry, um, I wanted to adopt nations and have the heart of God and have my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God and care enough to adopt that in intercession. Welcome to the Generosity Now podcast, where we bring you inspiring stories of generosity and whole life stewardship. Our goal is to showcase individuals and organizations making a positive impact in our communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Eric Mose, president of the National Christian Foundation, Rocky Mountain Region, and I'm joined by my incredible co-host, Lori Bossert, VP on our team. In today's episode, we have the privilege of introducing you to Whitney Swell and Dina Berg with LifeBridge Capital. Whitney is the founder of LifeBridge Capital with a background in military, law enforcement, and horse training. He's now passionate about real estate and helping others create passive income. He and his wife have a special mission, pledging 50% of their profits to support orphans and adoptive families through their nonprofit, Omna Foundation. Dina, on the other hand, focuses on nurturing investor relationships at LifeBridge. She brings a wealth of experience from her work with rural farmers in Central America, and co-founding a legislative organization in Washington State. Dean is dedicated to helping others create passive income that aligns with their life's purpose. Join us as we explore their incredible journeys of giving and impact stewardship. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Honored to be here. Glad to be here. Excited. Thank you both so much for being here. That was a that was a, some great bios that we get to introduce them uh, and introduce you with. But we want to know a little bit more about who you are, a little bit more of your story. And so, Whitney, kick us us. Give us a little biographical overview. Uh, tell us you know, who you are and 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 that that journey uh, that's kind of in your bio there. Yeah. No, there's so many things we can unpack and. And uh, I'll give you a high level, but uh, um, you mentioned it a little bit about the horse training and things that most people in the, in the industry don't have any idea about. But even before that, some of the things that uh, I'll, I'll, I, just because of the the context, I want to share a few other details. Uh, you know, grew up in a one stop lot town. Uh, everybody knew everybody, right? Uh, mother, uh, parents divorced uh, at a young age, and uh, but my mother uh, was uh, has always been one that. I just believed in me and everything that I wanted to do. It didn't matter what it was. Um, she just supported me and pushed me and just gave um, everything she could uh, for my sister and I to, in, in massive ways. And I think that that the Lord used that, you know, in big ways early in my life, and uh, in, in, in having a desire to, to be in service and and going to the military, and uh, that started in March of 2001, and and didn't have any idea that shortly after I'd be spending a year in Iraq, and and of course that changed my life in a big way. Um, thankfully, I, I came home safely. Not everybody in my squad made it home, um, and so I'm very grateful, you know, for how the Lord used that in my life, but uh, allowed me to come home safely, of course, and and uh, then uh, became a police officer. Kentucky State Police. I uh, loved working the road as a police officer, but just passed my wife, my new my new bride at the time. Uh, uh, you know, we just passed each other in the hallway the first whole year of marriage. I said, you know what, this is just not what's best long term. But I felt I felt helpless. Like I thought that's all I was qualified to do. I had no college, uh, and I just thought, you know, Lord, what 
what can we do? What, what's what's next for me, you know, in our family long term? Allowed me to meet a guy who was a federal agent. Uh, and this guy ended up helping me through the entire hiring process, became a federal agent that moved us to Virginia, where we live now. And uh, uh, and then I took the the normal path to real estate success and became a professional horse trainer. Uh, and so I, I, it was a, a passion of mine since I was a little boy. I loved doing it. I'd be in, in the arena till midnight most nights. And but uh, so I was working during the day, federal agent, training horses at night, and did that for a number of years. And built a brand around that. I was teaching lots of people horsemanship skills and clinics and all kinds of things. And. Um, but again, uh, my wife and I are walking on the beach at one fall and we say, you know what, is, is what we're doing right now going to get us to where we want to go, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now? And the obvious answer was no. Uh, we came home, sold the farm. Uh, so, I, I mean, within two, about two and a half months, we had actually sold the farm and moved out. Uh, and uh, that was, a uh, I'll never forget, um, you know, my wife and I pulling out of the driveway and just bawling, <laughs> crying, you know, thinking, Lord, is that... Is this is this right? You know, is this what's best? Um, and had no idea, of course, what he had, you know, in store for us. Um, but he just opened so many doors for us, um, you know, moving forward and meeting so many great people um, to grow our real estate business, right? With very, very little uh, real estate experience. So it really makes no sense uh, other than just the Lord's hand, um, you know, and all the doors that opened so quickly. Um, it, it was, it wasn't long after that, that I met uh, my business partner, Sam Rust and, and, uh, you know, our, uh, complimentary skill sets, you know, it just really helped us to move quickly, uh, and, and buy some large apartment buildings very fast, which it just doesn't seem to make sense, uh, right to most, um, you know, at the same time, my wife and I were going to, which I know we're going to get into a little bit, but I think it was when we started the adoption processes and those things, which just changed the whole mission and, and outlook for LifeBridge Capital, right, in the business. And and I said, and the Lord's just used that to shape us and our family in so many ways that I just, I never could have imagined. Whitney, just a comment there. You and your wife heard God. You obeyed. You went without always knowing where it was going to go. That reminds me, that's what God calls us to do often. And he's given us that example in scripture, too. And so he honored that obvious, that obedience. When we sold the farm, people thought we were crazy. I mean, we had the nicest house, even then probably most in our family had ever thought about having. And uh, and they were like, something's going on in this little household. You know, like there's problems there, right? Something is happening. Um, and But we knew it was kind of now or never, uh, right? We just wanted to go for it. And the Lord, I mean, we just felt confident. Uh, the Lord just... Gave uh, Chelsea and I both peace uh, about that when we were, you know, walking and praying together. Um, and we just said, you know, well, we need to do it. Uh, but it's only the Lord. I, I wouldn't have done it without him just strengthening us, and especially my my wife, for sure, being behind me. That's great. You know, before we were um, actually hit record, we were talking about um, where you are in Roanoke, Virginia. And my family actually had some property not too far um, from there and spent a good bit of time uh, there in, in western Virginia, in western Virginia, not West Virginia, and uh, love that that part of the country. Um, but uh, the work that you do as a real estate um, investor and syndicator doesn't require you to be uh, to live in Roanoke, and uh, and yet you talked about the importance of your local church is what's ground you there. Uh, would you just just flesh that out a little bit um, for us? 
Chelsea and I are so grateful for our church body and and you know what we're a part of, how the Lord has has taught us through these people, right through His people. Uh, and we we grew up in church, but um, no relationship with the Lord. We would have said, "Oh yeah, we're Christians," or whatever that means, you know. But there was there was no relationship with Christ, uh, and and so it was a number of years later um, that the Lord allowed us to meet a family that. Um, I mean, they had come out of some really hard stuff. They were in their third marriage and, and on the rocks and, and, uh, she had been practicing witchcraft and he had been addicted to everything you can imagine. And I mean, like all these things, right. And then the Lord saves her, uh, and then the Lord saves him and, and they have six children and, and then they became missionaries, you know, in China and, and, but before they left, they just poured into us. Uh, and they brought us in their Like they started having us over in their house once a week and, and they would just love on us. Uh, and, and, you know, I was like, I mean, actually this guy, he would, he would build ornamental things and whatnot, uh, uh, and sell them on the weekends. And that's how they provided for their family. And I was like, you better get a job, you know, <laughs> you better, but so that he, he, you know, like they just trusted the Lord with every bit of that. And the Lord provided housing for them, vehicles. Like we just saw all this happen, you know, and, and, uh, and they just lived out loud. I mean, like they just shared all that with us. Uh, they would do Bible studies with Chelsea and I, and they were just different, right? Like we had not like really experienced that before. Uh, and so, and they're just obviously dear friends of ours uh, still, uh, but the Lord opened our eyes uh, and that was shortly before moving to Virginia. So when we came here, we had a different outlook on the type of church that we wanted to be involved in. Right. Because uh, we were, you know, our, the Lord had opened our eyes um, in, in a big way. And so we went to a different church every weekend for six months. We're very disappointed. And then when we found the church that we're part of now, they have just poured into us uh, and they have mentored us in ways I never could have imagined and how to be that father or husband or uh, I, that that I didn't get right growing up and, and, you know, wasn't mentored in those ways. Uh, and so when we see even the children that have been raised in the church that we're part of, you know, it's like, we want that for our kids. Right. And, and now that I'm not tied to a W2 or I could live any, anywhere in the country, we've said, you know what, that's, that's what we want. I mean, that's the most important thing for our family uh, is that church body and the Lord having us here until he calls us somewhere else. Uh, we want our children to be under that, that teaching. Right. And just, I mean, you're in the gospel every, or every day in the house as well, but uh, every weekend it's just solid biblical teaching. Um, and I love, just love that about our church, but it's that important that we're where we're at. Whitney, I just love that because we, you know, there's a saying out there that we, it takes a village to raise our children. I want my village to be my home church. And I just think that that's a great story. And I pray that each of us can do that um, for others also. Dina, we would love to hear about your family and your bio and, and what brings you to Life Bridge Capital. So start us back and bring us up to date. You bet. So my childhood, um, I grew up, my dad was a commercial real estate developer. So the real estate space was always very much a part of our family. I often talk about how on Sunday afternoons, he would slow roll past retail strip malls and office buildings with the promise of Mexican food, you know. Like as kids, that was just cutting into our playtime. But I realized now how I was conditioned <laughs> to always be looking at my surroundings and what real estate is present and what are opportunities. So my dad was, my dad's name was Ron Gregory and he was just an epic role model. He passed away 20 years ago. So now we're kind of living in, you know, what he achieved and accomplished, but Growing up, like I said, I, I remember going into grand openings of buildings and 
getting new dresses for things like that. And, um, but I also remember the ups and the downs. I remember my mom in seasons where she was saving on groceries, right? Cause it's feast or famine and <laughs> you're living on leverage a lot of times. So I remember all of those details. My parents loved the Lord. My mom was always very involved with, uh, different outreaches and ministries. We were involved with the Fred Hutchison Cancer Research Society there in Seattle where I grew up. Um, so we were always walking in the journey with patients who would come oftentimes walking in their death process with them, um, which I have clear memories of. My mom was also very involved in the, um, refugees who came over as a result of the Vietnam war. So I actually have a Vietnamese brother and I have a Cambodian brother who are, are not officially adopted, but, uh, they very much became part of our family and my, my parents put them through college. So our family is pretty international. So, um, I worked in my dad's office growing up in junior high and high school and even college. And then my dad said, all right, I'm handing the keys over. And I was, you know, in my young days, I was a bit like a zealot. And I said, no, thanks. I'm going to go save the world. I later realized that Jesus already did that. And he, you know, he thought it was cute that I wanted to help, but he was, <laughs> I feel like in our twenties, right. We're just kind of like fierce and reckless. The thirties is all about like restraint and the stripping away the forties. You're actually worth, you know, something in, in light of getting things done and bringing the kingdom to earth. Of course, I'm still 29. Um, that's what's on the Christmas card every year, but if I weren't, that would be a lesson learned. So I went to the college, then I entered into the nonprofit space. And uh, I actually was engaged to be married. I had a corporate job in downtown Seattle. And I, I had a very memorable encounter with the Lord where he called me to break off my engagement, quit my job, and move to work with the poorest of the poor in Honduras. Um, it was at a World Vision event. It was a 50-year celebration. So that will give you an idea of really how old I am. And uh <laughs> I was just so moved, radically moved. Um, it was a, in a God encounter when um, the founder often said, like, Lord, let my heart always be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And from that moment, I took swift action, broke off the engagement, and within, I think, four months, um, moved to Honduras. I, I mean, I had onboarded with a mission organization. So and I was, uh, from that path, I worked in an orphanage with 600 kids for a couple of years, came back, and... Um, then I continued the nonprofit journey into um, rural, working with rural farmers in Central America and Mexico, helping them to own their own land and a five-year development process. And then the Lord called me to lay that job down. It was my dream job. And I I guess I, I'm, the, you know, the fear of the Lord is like, I'm afraid what happens if I'm not following him. So I wouldn't deny what I felt like he was inviting me to do, which of course was a long desert period. But after that, I co-founded a nonprofit with um, a, my colleague and we passed over 20 anti-human trafficking laws in Washington state. So that was great. Then I started having babies. I realized I was fully replaceable in my job and not as a mom. So leaned in, stayed home with the kids for 10 years. And um, that's my youngest was full-time in school. I knew that I wanted to re-engage in the private or in, in business. Um, I knew that really making moving the needle and making lasting impact. I, I really believe in a lot of ways will happen through private enterprise um, in partnership with nonprofit. So then I entered in with commercial real estate and then fast forward and met Whitney. Um, and here we are today. 
So I, I kind of skipped over the end, but don't want to take up too much more time with that story. It's hard to believe she's done all that before 29. Exactly. I know. No, it's a very accelerated path. Thank you for uh, sharing a little bit uh, about uh, both of you. It's uh, it's super encouraging to get to get to know your heart and uh, and, and your past. Um, I've said this before on the podcast, but I love the quote from uh, John Marsh, who says, um, "God never wastes time; He's always weaving where we're where we are to where we're going, and how God's using that um, for His purposes and His glory." And so that's very good. Well, tell us a little bit about um, LifeBridge Capital. Um, I, I I did a little. Intro in the um, in her introduction kind of teases out a little bit. The uh, the the motto is making a difference one investor, one child at a time. So give us a little bit of how do you do that through real estate and uh, and, and what's going on there. Yeah, I love that question, and I think it really goes back to our mission, which started it. I would go back to 2011. Uh, that was uh, from the story I told you earlier when we moved to Roanoke the first weekend we were here. Uh, my wife and I, again, pretty new believers, uh, we heard a pastor talk about how they had adopted and how uh, there's 150 million orphans in the world. And we were like, what? I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, we just, we had never heard anything like that before, you know, and, and the cost of adoption. Um, we, did, we had never known anybody that had adopted before or been adopted, never discussed adoption before. This was like brand new information. The Lord definitely had a purpose that we had no idea about. On our way home from this event, all we could do was ask ourselves, uh, why would we not adopt? I could do it. It just seemed that simple, right? I'm thankful for our ignorance looking back uh, in the process, but I'm I'm grateful um, that the Lord pushed us right, to take action. And so within a week, believe it or not, we we turned in our application to adopt from Ethiopia. Two years later, our first son, Samuel, comes home from Ethiopia. And then we thought, well, man, it's going to take two more years. We're going to start the process again. Uh, and so we started again right away. Nine or 10 months later, our second son, Elijah, comes home to adoption. Uh, and then a few years later, we started another process. Uh, Eden Joy, our first daughter, came home to adoption. And then we have uh, Sayla now, who's six weeks old. Uh, so just brand new, came to our family through adoption as well. Uh, and so the, you know, that process, especially the first two, right, uh, earlier on, just obviously changed our life in so many ways. Uh, but the the financial burden was was great. Right. I mean, it was a real burden for my wife at the time. Uh, and we did lots of fundraising, all these things. Right. And it's like, Lord, where's this money going to come from? You know, uh, and but he provided, I mean, every every time in ways that we just so many amazing stories I provided, but um, that the ways we could have never imagined. Right. But what happened too, we started speaking at real estate conferences and whatnot. Uh, and and when I was sharing about our story, people come up all the time and say, Whitney, that's it's more than I make in a year, right? Maybe, you know, 40 to 60, 70 grand to bring a child home to adoption, unfortunately. Um, and I said, well, there's just no way, right? Uh, and so we said, you know, we can we can help with this, right? We can do something about that. And so that that's really the mission of life, right? And, and uh, is that's what goes into Omno, which you mentioned earlier. But it's helping provide grants and, and helping families to bring these children home. I mean, we can talk about it more about what Omna does in a bit, but, but, you know, that became the mission for my wife and I, and then it, it stemmed into all life bridge and, and has grown in a big way. Uh, and what I've seen is that, you know, a lot of investors love that. Obviously we're a part of something bigger than just building wealth. Right. And especially those that are wanting to be very intentional, right. About investing and who they're investing with. Um, but 
you know, that's, I think that's our big accomplishment, right? Uh, you know, it, it is, is what we're doing there uh, and through the real estate business, right? It's really a means to, uh, to helping these families bring these children home. That's so great. We, um, we connected on this before, but um, uh, both of my f- boys joined our family by adoption. Um, we initially had started with Ethiopia. Um, and uh, we had our number uh, on the waiting list, and Ethiopians shut down on us. And they were expecting to be shut down for about five years. And and so uh, we said, all right, Lord, uh, uh, we, we don't want to wait five more years for that. Kind of like you even had the same sediment for your for your second and then third. But um, and so we pivoted to China. And so both of our boys, um, Hudson and Elijah, um, are joined our family from uh, adoption from China. And so we definitely wow. have experienced what what you've talked about. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, by God's grace, uh, the Lord does provide. I think there's um, uh, for the for those that that lean in and say yes to adoption and foster care. Um, while the expense is great, God does provide. So I love that 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 you guys are doing that though as well, and that you're trying to be a bridge for for others. Uh, it's it's great. Uh, Dina, I'm curious, like, um, you know, your your past history with anti-human trafficking and the orphanages, is is the the mission of LifeBridge, uh, like, what brought you to this real estate company, and and how does that play out, and even in your day to day, in your work with, especially working with the investors and such? Yeah, that's a good question. So when I met Whitney, actually, was building my own business. I wasn't looking for a position with a firm. But the more I got to know Whitney through the interview process and then his partner, Sam Rest, the more it made so much sense to join in with folks. I feel it was so rare to uh, to meet individuals who are successful at what they're doing with a like heart and a like mind. And so actually I was in the interview process and I said, hey, I can't make the interview. I'm headed to Burundi for a week with my, 11, my then 11-year-old son, and of course, they were so um, understanding. And I even sent an update with, you know, you're still getting to know your potential future employer. And I was kind of testing the waters <laughs> to see what, um, what they were thinking and what the response was. And it was so beautiful. And um, honestly, uh, a firm like LifeBridge Capital that really supports as a mom, I have three kids. My kids are now a little bit older, but um, still having time with them in the summer, having the flexibility to be present when they need me is something that Sam and Whitney have both championed and that I've been incredibly blessed by. Also, just the joy and the ability to pray with your team. For, I, we pray for our investors. We pray for our projects. We pray for the families of those in our firm. Um, and also there's just, I mean, it's rare when I feel that there's a high level of trust within our team. And um, I was born to build relationships. I was born to make meaningful connections. And so adoption for me and for my family, to talk about my nonprofit past, I feel like the future of my assignment with adoption is really the adoption of nations and what it will look like to adopt a nation in prayer and to, um, I guess, here's like the, the reverse engineering of the bigger why is how can we be involved with changing goat nations into sheep nations and thinking about Matthew 25, when the Lord says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to separate the sheep from the goat. Um, so using a leveraging influence that we have, whether it's in the business community or in the, in the ministry, um, I wanted to adopt nations and have the heart of God and have my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God and care enough to adopt that in intercession. And 
right now in my home. A good friend of mine from Kenya is here. He's a missionary that we support and he's doing radical things to move the needle to that end in the nation of Kenya. So I, I love working at like Bridge Capital. Many of our investors are believers. They share our core values. Uh, so it's just a delight all around. It's pretty evident that both of you have joined forces together um, through real estate investing, but that's not what drives you guys at all. It's not what makes you guys get up in the morning. And yet, this is where you spend your time. Help us unpack that for our listeners of why real estate and the connection. Let's start just briefly and then I'll let Whitney carry on. For me, it has to do with dominion. The Lord says, take dominion of the land. And when you own a piece of real estate, you have dominion over that land. So maybe it's starting small, maybe it's a home, maybe it's an apartment building, but then you kind of control the airspace, right? And so for me, it's all about bringing God's glory. And if we have dominion in a certain geographical location, we can then contribute to maximizing, bringing heaven to earth. I love buying real estate for one, but we love time freedom, right? All those things that, you know, a business like this gives us. Um, but I think early on, you know, when I really thought about the avenues to build wealth uh, and also the avenues to help others build wealth um, and with the goal of giving uh, a lot, you know, it's like, man, the, the more we can give, the or the more we can make, the more we can give, right? But not only for us, for our investors, right? For our team members and, uh, you know, all, all the people that are connected, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I've I've toyed with, you know, should I be so vocal about how much we give or not? Or, you know, I've gone back and forth about that. And somebody challenged me the days I know the challenge is me when I hear it. I want to hear it, you know? Uh, and so, uh, you know, it's like, okay, you know, the more the more wealth we can build and for our investors, the more I want to encourage them to give and more we want to give. Uh, and so real estate allows us to do that. It's the, the way the Lord has allowed us to do that. Dina was a part of an event we did um, around uh, the topic of redemptive real estate. And that um, real estate, um, yes, it has the opportunity to, to be a great wealth generator and um, a, a, a wealth safety net, so to speak, as we, we know real estate continues to appreciate uh, generally over time significantly. Um, but it, it's not necessarily a tool that only we look at just the returns that we can drive. I'm curious like um, about, you, you guys have a um, thousand plus units. I, I heard one gentleman say, I, uh, I had a shift in my mind and realized that those aren't a thousand doors um, or 5,000 or a hundred or 20. Um, those are souls um, behind those doors. And so I'm just curious, um, we didn't talk about this before, but are, is there anything that you guys are doing specifically to um, focus on um, and, and property management side of things and how you're stewarding those souls that also live within those, the, the behind those doors, so to speak? Yes. We partner with uh, Apartment Life, which is a faith-based group that has kind of like a tent makers who enter into the properties. Some of them work, some of them are part-time and they get cut rate rents to then kind of influence the souls behind the doors. So I'll give you an example. Um, in one of our properties, there was an example of a woman who came down and she was holding this gift basket and she was teary-eyed and there was an apartment life staffer and she had just given her this this gift basket and the property manager was talking about how it was a recognition of one year of sobriety. And the woman had tears in her eyes that she felt seen 
acknowledged and celebrated and what she had achieved. And we're grateful for that because obviously we can't be on all of the properties celebrating, noting these uh, rites of passage and celebration. And likewise, there have been really some sad and un unfortunate events, accidental things that have happened on the property. There was, you know, a car accident on the property and there was lots of life and it's just horrible. Um, but had we not had the apartment life staff who was ministering to the family who actually was experiencing loss of life, I, I don't know what we would have done. And we felt so helpless being kind of in the you know remote corporate offices, if you will, but our hearts were moved and grieved by that. And so we relied heavily on our partnership with, with apartment life. That's that's great. I love that. I'm a big fan of apartment life and the ministry that they play. Um, and you know, it's it's funny as we talk to other investors who um, effectively, uh, as you said, just car, you know, reduced rent or no rent for the apartment life people. Uh, you look at the economics. You're like, oh, that does that make sense to does it make sense to give away apartment? Um, but but also they've said actually through through the ministry of apartment life, not only are we seeing ministry happen, we're actually also seeing uh, renewals um, go up, right? And so we're actually having to turn over um, those, those those apartments even less. And so actually it becomes uh, even more financially um, uh, in a better position because of the work of apartment life. So I love that you guys are are doing that. As you guys think and dream um, about other ways to to engage renters and community partners and things like that in in your communities, uh, do you have other ideas or plans or things that you see as like, hey, we should we should be exploring this or or other people we should you know we are doing this and other people should probably be thinking about um, this type of opportunity. I think we can grow in that in a big way as well, uh, you know, just to be honest, right? Uh, but I, I think one big thing that I love that, like, Dean and I think leads in in a number of ways is is encouraging us to pray, like, very specific, uh, you know, praying for our communities and our tenants. Uh, I think even as a, as a team, we could do that a lot better uh, as well and more often and being specific there. Um, but apartment life has been that for us uh, as far as on the ground you know, being the connection to these families that otherwise we could not have, right? When we're talking 15, 1600 doors, right? Potential families, it's difficult, right? Uh, you know, and, and we want to be intentional about that. Um, we love that they help build community, right? In a way that we could never build, uh, but with the, the gospel in mind, right? And it's good. It's good. One thing I could envision for our residents at some point is some kind of financial literacy, um, and maybe that's facilitated through apartment life staff, but you have different types of buildings which draw different types of tenants in different spaces in life and in um, you know economic levels of disposable income. So um, I really have a heart you know, to move some of the tenants up and out of some of the places like homeownership or things like that. But without any kind of training or education or stability, I guess it's a good business plan for us as apartment owners. But as believers, we want to see the human flourishing of of everybody who who comes through those buildings. So I think for me, I would love to see um, kind very practical training in financial literacy on properties. Hmm. Uh, 
we're kind of getting off script here right now, and I, I threw you some questions we even we even previously talked about. But you know, something that I think you could pair that with. There's a organization um, called Community Impact Foundation, and there's probably others that do this as well. Um, but they actually provide where you can actually use your charitable capital um, to make interest-free loans to individuals. And so, if you have somebody who's working through, um, maybe it's a Financial Peace University or Compass program or something like that, um, then some of them are going to, there's going to be some situations that even as they're making steps forward, there's going to be that thing that's then going to cause them to have to go get a, a ridiculously high payday loan or something like that. And so maybe there's a, a partnership with an organization like that, um, that could be a benefit. So I don't know, we're just spitballing here for you guys. Let me take us back to LifeBridge Capital. Um, and because Whitney, you have committed that 50% of your profits do go to your foundation to support orphans and adoptive families. Unpack that for us. Share a story with our listeners of some of the people that the foundation has really been able to help. Yeah, I appreciate that question. Um, and, and I would clarify, it's 50% of personal profits. It's not of all of LifeBridge. But, uh, but you know, the, uh, yeah, again, the words used on them in ways I never imagined. And the families, um, there's just been a number that, they've had felt placements uh, and some numerous felt placements. And ultimately that means they've lost a lot of money, right? Every time they tried to adopt and then it doesn't go through for a, a number of, of reasons. Um, you know, one, one young lady specifically. So we have a, uh, we do a one month or I think it's first Monday of every month. We have a, a prayer time for all our families or donors. Anybody can be a part of it. Um, and a lady showed up one time uh, and she was just crying. Right. And, and she had, she was one of the families that we had supported and, and she had, they had just had a felt placement. They just lost a lot of money. Uh, and, and I'm trying to remember the timing exactly, but it's like, she got the grant from us before we knew about the felt placement, you know? Uh, and, and it's like, uh, the timing of it is like the Lord went before her, right. And, and provided for her, uh, and used Omni to provide for her in ways that, uh, you know, we didn't even know of yet. Right. She didn't even know it was happening when, when some of the felt placement stuff was happening, but it's time and time again, when families are, they're in hard spots, right. Uh, and financially, uh, emotionally, uh, and what I, what I love that Omni is growing into is more of a support system for them. Right. Uh, and we're trying to incorporate uh, over time, uh, what we call like a wraparound service, right? Educating them even before the child comes home, helping them financially, but then also even afterwards, providing community and resources for them uh, because it's a big change, right? As as we know, bringing any child home, uh, one way or the other, it's a it's a major change to the whole family. But uh, sometimes you know the options have different dynamics, right? That uh, that you just wouldn't know, you, you don't know, you know, and and uh, until it happens, and, and so uh, just helping prepare these families uh, in ways. Uh, it's been a blessing to be able to speak uh, to a number of families personally, you know, just from our experience uh, and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, one big goal of Omna, though, I would say the main goal, uh, it's, it's not just to, say, place children into homes where they get food, right, or they get shelter. Our goal is for them to hear the gospel, right? Our, our goal is for them to get the, the ultimate main thing that they need to hear in their entire life right and that's the good news of christ and and uh, and so that's that's the that's the goal behind omna foundation is is obviously helping these these christian families 
to bring their children home, get past the financial barrier. Uh, and often it's more a mental barrier than it is anything, but it is a major barrier, uh, you know, for these families. They cannot see a path to coming up with $70,000, right, uh, to bring this child home. Uh, and that's where Omnis coming in and being able to say, hey, we're, we're going to help you with that. We're going to help you to fundraise. We're going to help you to maybe use this for a matching grant, right? So, you know, we're going to teach you some ways that you can turn this large grant into double or triple, right? And and to think that way. So that's uh, some people helped us with that when we were first starting, you know, and fundraising and whatnot. Uh, and now we're just trying to compile those things so we can help many families, you know, moving forward. I think we partnered with about 30 families now, uh, 25, I think, that have actually brought children home. Uh, and then yeah, there's actually more than that. Uh, I'm just talking to Joel, the guy that works for us full time. Uh, there's seven to 10 that are actually in process in addition to that as well as we speak. So uh, the Lord's really blessing it and making connections, allowing me to meet people uh, every week, uh, almost that I never imagined getting me that have a passion for adoption, you know, and, and are, are helping us think strategically about some of the things about the foundation that otherwise I wouldn't have known. Just such a beautiful, just a, a beautiful, beautiful way to show God's blessing of helping people in that space. Um, I just, I love it. I love the whole, all about adoption and what it means to be chosen. You know, as God has chosen each one of us, these families that are choosing these children to show them the love of Christ in that every day of being a part of their family. It's just beautiful. Yeah. On the Generosity Now podcast, we talk uh, a lot about generosity and whole life stewardship. We also talk about business sometimes like we have done today and some other things. But would you guys each share a little bit of your own journey as it relates to generosity, your kind of personal family journey there as it relates to generosity and stewardship? For many years, my husband and I did not have a lot of disposable income to or really anything over what we were surviving on. But the way that I was able to contribute was... Um, I worked for free a lot. I donated a lot of my time. And then in a sense, it sometimes really it hurt. It pinched, right? It was it was a real sacrifice. And I, I often would hear the Lord saying, those who invest in heaven, I will invest in, you know, I will invest in those who invest in heaven. And I and I just I really received it in simple faith. And I can testify that he has invested in me and been generous with me. And I think one thing practically that my husband and I do. Um, number one, every year we try to increase a percentage point of where and how much we give. We're not to 50%, though we would love to be at some point. And I I know that we will be, um, but we think strategically about it. I would love to get, give NCF a shout out. Your strategic giving plan is phenomenal. And my husband and I, my husband Brian and I took about five months of late nights. We really poured ourselves into it because we really knew that this would be the definitive thing for our lives and our families. And we wanted that to be so. So we didn't involve our children, but we really labored over it. Um, and once a year coming up, usually at the end of November, we have our annual planning retreat where we get huge post-it notes. This is, I love whiteboard. There's nothing more romantic than a whiteboard to me. You know, whiteboard and a bottle of wine, we're gonna have a great night. So. So that's part of my love language. And um, we go away for two nights. We talk about um, ministry, community, generosity, real estate, income, family, travel. I think there's eight of them. I can't remember all of them right now. But we just start kind of whiteboarding and just kind of take the ceiling off of what is possible. And we've kind of given ourselves the grace to realize we're not going to achieve all of this in one year, but let's put pen to paper and see what we can do. It has been 
so powerful and so phenomenal to dream big without probably the faith that that was actually something we were going to see manifest the next year. And to look back and to see how many things God says, sure, I'll honor that. Can you dream bigger next year? Um, so it's really trained us to to come before the Lord and allow him to lead us in that. So generosity-wise, uh, we love the generosity board because we really do dream big on how we want to move the needle on the earth through generosity and catalyzing others' generosity um, by, you know, just like what Whitney's doing with his leadership. It's like you kind of can raise the bar. So there's something practical. That's great. Thank you. Yeah, we talk about um, uh, whole life stewardship here a lot. And by that, we we mean it as an acronym, and it stands for your uh, stewarding it, your, your labor, your influence, your finances, and your expertise. And so um, at different seasons of, uh, of life, we have different bandwidth as it relates to different sectors there and uh and so early on you were you were investing your your labor and you still do today that that's one that carries over um but but there's not always a time that you'll be able to invest as heavily in expertise especially when you're first starting off i mean we, granted we we think we know everything when we're first starting out but as we mature a little bit yeah as we mature a little bit uh we realize that you know that that grows uh and we can steward that even more um our finances our influence uh, generally grows over time as well. And so love that you're looking to incrementally grow those, um, even thinking like, hey, how do we incrementally grow not just our financial uh, stewardship, but maybe even how do we incrementally grow all of those sectors uh, on an annual basis could make a huge impact uh, in the future. So thanks, Dina. Yeah, I love that Dina went first because I've told her this before that she and Brian challenged me and my wife, right? She's mentioned this a number of times. It's planning session that they do. I love that. We've we've not done been intentional enough about a planning session like that. I love that idea. We do talk about it a lot, but um, yeah, we need that whiteboard and sticky notes, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about my mother, and I even go back to that and how the Lord just provided that example for me that in so many ways she never... And still, you know, had much to give, right? But she gave a lot, uh, and and uh, even whether it's time uh, and money to help me do things, right, or or even other people, uh, and doing that uh, in a way that this was a great example for me, right? And the Lord's used that, I think, in many ways. Uh, and really, it's the uh, you know, as far as this path of generosity and stewardship, uh, I think it's a muscle, you know, that you you continue to work right, and and you flex, and and the Lord blesses it, and 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 you gain um, more faith. It gives you more faith, right? Uh, and I've definitely not accomplished, you know, where we need to be with that, uh, no doubt about it. But uh, you know, He's allowed uh, Chelsea and I to give more than we ever imagined, right? Uh, I couldn't have imagined, you know, five years ago, you know, uh, you know what he's allowed us to be able to do. And, and, uh, and I think that's, uh, we, we love obviously being able to use that to teach others and to share with others and encourage their faith, right? Uh, but also one thing is, is our children. Uh, I think that's a, a big place where uh, the Lord's pushed me in a way to help our children to be thinking that way as well, uh, you know, and to share with them that way, uh, you know, and just encouraging them to be generous, right? Uh, in ways that I was never, uh, I didn't think that way, you know, it's that young, except for the ways I shared about my mom, but like I, I, uh, just not too many great examples, you know, around that, that were really open and mentoring me in that way. Uh, and so I just encourage even the listeners, uh, you know, to think about, you know, how are you teaching your children, you know, these things as well, or how are they involved? Uh, cause that's been crucially important for me. Dina, I definitely don't do it to your level, but that yearly meeting is so important for Mike and I of what is our goals for next year. Um, 
because we have a November anniversary, we actually often use our anniversary. We are not big, we need to go out for our anniversary, but we use it as our marker to do our planning for our next year. Um, and also the Thanksgiving for the past year. And that's where it is. It's a really important just habit for us to get into of putting those on our calendars, of being able to plan what do we want to do? Where do we see God taking us? And you mentioned something really important is kind of reviewing, year in review. We'll do that. We'll pull out last year's massive sticky notes and we'll actually like score ourselves. Um, but it, the first part of that, we we give God thanks to everything that he's enabled us to do because 150%, I cannot emphasize this enough, you know, we're just going through life sometimes trying to keep our head above water with three kids and all kinds of extracurriculars, both working full time. And like our number one goal is to put our family first. And so then we fill things in around that. We are in awe of what God has enabled us to do through his grace, his empowering presence for what we couldn't do otherwise on the list. So thank you for mentioning that is looking back and just giving thanks to God because it's so much through his grace. We're going to go ahead and link to some of these things that we've we've talked about. We'd love to link to the Elna uh, Foundation. Uh, one, if it, hey, if you're listening here and you're like, man, I'd love to support the work that they're doing to help other families, feel free to kind of take a look and get connected there. Or if you know of somebody who's looking to adopt, um, it might need some financial assistance. It's a, a great place to send folks to. And we're also going to link to um, your podcast. I mean, you, you've got a podcast with almost 1,800 shows out there. And so if you're interested in learning more about real estate syndication and all kind of ins and outs on that, um, take a listen um, to, to that podcast. You can either listen or watch um, on YouTube. Both our options are available. We'll also link, Dina, to what you mentioned, uh, the NCF Giving Strategy Guidebook. It really can be an incredibly helpful tool for families. Um, or individuals kind of to walk through. Um, it's not prescriptive in the slightest, as you realize. It kind of starts with the 10 biblical principles of generosity and then allows you to kind of even wrestle through those and and, and not the 10, it's 10 of the biblical principles of generosity. Just to be clear, there's a, the Bible says a lot about generosity and stewardship. Um, and then works through family and legacy and, um, and, and resources and stewarding resources and passions and trying to help um, identify where passions and where have you spent your time, where have you spent investment, where have you spent um, kind of influence capital. And so it's a great little resource as well. And so we'll go ahead and, and link to all those things. Um, and, uh, and we thank you so much for the time. Uh, it is as a, as a look at the counter and we're coming down to the bottom of the hour. We, we have to jump, but um, we're so grateful for you both being on the show and, uh, and sharing your, your wisdom and your experience and, your, um, and, and the journey that you've been on. And so on the Generosity Now podcast, we do seek to inspire, equip, and connect our listeners for generous kingdom impact and whole life stewardship. For more information on us, please check us out at ncfgiving.com forward slash Rocky Mountains and generositynow.org. And go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a five-star review and share it with your network. And we're going to close with the doxology today, Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Amen and amen. Thank you both for being amen. on the show today. Thanks, you guys. My pleasure. Thank you, you guys.